Dr. Pete Economo, the East Coast Psychologist. And I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin, the West Coast Psychologist. And this is When East Meets West. Many times people struggle and they have no idea what it means to live with compassion. And so this is the idea of distress together with the desire to alleviate. And I think that this is the the formal definition. But today, Dr. Nikki and I are going to talk about compassion. We are. And I'm curious, whose definition is that? Where is that? (laughs) Merriam-Webster. I mean, the, the, the ultimate authority just on the psychological acad- sense. It's just the academic. <laughs> well, and I think for me as an academic, yeah. I go there just to have an objective sort of perspective totally. about it. So yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's it's listed as the sympathetic consciousness of others distressed together with the desire to alleviate it. Mm. That's a beautiful yeah. thing. No, it is beautiful. I was, Let me hear I, your hate on it. Let me hear I, it. I, I, I was actually just... I was actually just curious because I was like, I like that. Where, where did he get? Where did he get that definition? Yeah. Well, now, now you now know Merriam-Webster. Merriam-Webster. Cool. If we were writing this, we would have to cite it, but we're citing it now uh, in an audio way. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, like, I think you know, maybe it's important to sort of acknowledge some of the the current um, the current folks in the in the behavioral world, right? That are studying this. This goes both for compassion and self compassion. A former supervisor of yours. A former supervisor, yeah. So uh, you think of D- Dennis Hirsch. Is yes. yes, Dennis <laughs> yeah. Hirsch is one. Yeah. yeah, Dennis Hirsch. We've got Kristen Neff, uh, yes. who is at UT Austin. Christopher Germer, yeah. uh, Paul Gilbert. These are people. Gilbert, yeah. Uh, yeah, these are all some some great folks to look into. Yeah, it's just that compassion focused therapy, just to to add another acronym in the alphabet yeah. soup of that which yeah. we call psychology. I mean, <laughs> my students' heads, I see their eyes spinning as <laughs> we talk like, about. Yeah, they're like, what? Another acronym? It's like, yeah, there's lots of them. Yeah. Buckle down. Yeah. Yeah, we C- got CFT, CBT. Yeah, we got. Yeah. I mean, look, and CFT, it's cool, you know. It and I cool. think, you know, for me, compassion is a humanist quality, yes. you know. So it's not necessarily one that I felt had to necess- like be um, individualized as its own entity or as its own practice. I mean, certainly, as you know, if you're not, if you're, if you're practicing mindfulness, compassion is a core component of the practice mm-hmm. of mindfulness. Would you agree to that? Uh, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, to that point, I mean, actually a lot of things that we do in third wave therapies um, have been done as, you know, Pete and I have been talking about for, oh, yeah. for thousands of years. Thousands. And yeah, Western science, Western behavioral science has really just put our lens, you know, yeah. using the scientific method, trying to operationalize things and and learn some some Western uh, evidence, though yeah. there's there's been uh, other kinds of evidence for for many many years here, many, but many years. but but maybe we could talk. Let's let's get into compassion a little bit more because I, I do think people on often confuse compassion and empathy. Actually, that's something that I come across quite a bit. Do you experience? Yeah, that? well, and maybe we'll have you just differentiate. I think one of the things I find the most is people don't know how to do it. You know, so if they're looking, yeah. you know, so, so especially <laughs> for like executives or high performers, or, we'll talk about compassion. And usually, I, I start with self compassion. Mm. Um, again, depending on who the individual is, but I think when you start with the self compassion. And you're able to kind of recognize to yourself and you and I kind of share mm. a couple exercises that are good with that. And then you can look at, are there ways that you can um, use this with other people in your life? So I, I think the how to. That's very interesting because I often find the opposite that, that I find right? that. Yeah. yeah, no, because I think, well, I yes, just we're different. Yeah, we're different. Woo. Um, because I think a lot of times, a lot of pe- times, folks are better at being kind to others and they have a harder time being kind to themselves. Like that's something I come across over and over again where people will say, I would never talk to somebody else the way I talk to myself. 
Yeah. Well, we are our worst critic, but I, so for me, I think that when I do like thought awareness, um, cognitive distortions, and I raise awareness of how people see their thoughts, Mm -hmm. then they're more aware of them. So they're like, you know, so if we can label it as a distorted thought, then we're able to have compassion for when I have a thought that's like, oh, you're such a loser or you're bad at your job. That's true. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So, So, well, I hear you. Like, I think it's a good point. Well, so then I think what you're saying is that there are um, different ways to practice compassion. So what you're really defining is sort of like the just mindfully noticing that you're having an emotion or a thought or a sensation that you don't like or is distressing, just acknowledging and getting a little space is an is a act of compassion, it sure right? Could be. And then sprinkle in regular massages, pedicures <laughs> and manicures. <laughs> well, those, well, so let me, let me define compassion a little bit because I think yes. that's also something I think people get confused about was with self-compassion where they're like, is it just eating bonbons on the couch? Is it just being yeah, like no. somebody? Yeah. So, which those maybe? I mean, those could be self care. So, sure. let me define compassion well, yeah, and so let wait, me define so, so self care is compassion or compassion is self care. Which one came first? Well, self care is compassion. Compassion is not necessarily no. <laughs> I'm going to say it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Compassion. No. Compassion is self care. <laughs> self care is not, not necessarily, necessarily compassion. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So okay. that was good for us to struggle with. Yeah. That was. That was. Yeah. We, had we got to, we through had to it together. Through <laughs> we did. Yeah. So so let me explain a little bit. So I'm going to start with empathy because I think that's yeah. actually something that people sort of use the word like they're empathetic or they're empathic. Sure. And I want to clarify that empathy is something we can learn to be more empathic. Like there is mindfulness research, for example, that you can grow neurons in the part of your brain that has to do with perspective taking, has to do with empathy because you're like putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Though I would say that there are a lot of people that are more hardwired that way. Uh, I'm definitely somebody like that. Like I tend to like feel people's emotions more. I hear people talk about they absorb people's emotions. Um, So I always define empathy as, you know, basically with without boundaries like it's hap- it, you feel it as if it's happening to you right yeah. do you agree with that yeah and then we usually like in class we'll say like walking in someone else's shoes so people yeah like, people yeah understand it in that way too so you yeah. feel like you're walking in their shoes yes yeah. exactly and so compassion is is different in that it's dialectical which means that two opposite things are true at the same time yeah. and the mindfulness part is you're you're very present and uh and I would say bearing witness to someone else's pain. Yeah. And there's a boundary. You recognize yeah. that it's not happening to you. And this is really important because, you know, look, there's a lot of suffering in the world. Ugh, so much suffering in the world. And if we were to absorb all of it as if it was happening to us, it would actually significantly impact our ability to take steps to help alleviate the suffering. Like I always say to patients, like, I want you to imagine if I practiced empathy all day in my job, what do you think would happen? Patients are like, oh yeah, you'd be like a puddle on the floor. I'm like, absolutely. I'm not saying I never access empathy. I do. So I tear tear up in sessions. Sometimes I- Of course, because we're human. We're human. And I'm actively practicing compassion. I'm presently bearing witness to the pain and suffering of my patients. And I'm recognizing like, this is not my story. This is not happening to me. So in Western psychological science, we would also term this compassion fatigue. So if I if I practice compassion without boundaries, that leads to what we were historically called burnout. And there's yeah. a whole body of literature now looking at compassion called, fatigue, which I always say is a misnomer. It should I think it should be called empathy fatigue, yeah, really, right? Because right? if yeah. we're actually like act, the science says that if right. we're actually practicing what compassion is, this this more boundaried approach, then we you don't actually get it. you don't get burnout. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good point. Well, maybe we should rewrite that. I, well, maybe we should. <laughs> well, or, or maybe, you know, I think, 
or, or perhaps they're just non-empaths or people without our training that end up showing compassion and don't know how. So I, so I hear what you're saying. It's like, it's not the actual definition because it's with boundaries. Yes. Uh, but, cl- you know, I think a lot of people in any helping field mm-hmm. or just mm-hmm. being um, constantly and chronically around experiences of pain and prejudice yes. and, you know, all these other experiences yes. that people mm-hmm. have, it is, you know, it's hard to remind yourself to put those boundaries in. You know, and I, I think I'm, I will say I'm really good at this only yeah. because it's survival, frankly, like to yeah. your point, because I cannot yeah. be a puddle on the floor. And for, and, and my values say that life is about living, you know, mm-hmm. not about working or serving. You know, mm-hmm. I see myself as a servant. I see myself in those, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's key. And there was a time, and I'm sure I've said this to you. And I, honestly, one of the biggest things I miss from, um, you know, quarantine and pandemic are my Korean spas. I'm putting it out there. I, oh my God. I, Maybe one of them will be a sponsor one day. Yeah. Maybe they will. Maybe, <laughs> Island maybe, Spy and Edison. Maybe, no. <laughs> maybe they maybe they will. Well, well, and so like those, so then I think like it's important to clarify like this distinction between compassion and self-care. So like what Pete's right. talking about is really important is, is self-care. And self-care right. doing soothing activities, you know, things that you treat yourself, let's say, like those are important. Right. Though we want to be really careful because a lot of times those behaviors can then become avoidance strategies, right? Sure. And compa- and compassion is again, if we come back to that, that definition of like bearing witness to pain, right? Like when you're like, if you're out getting a manicure, you're probably not focused on bearing witness to your pain. You're probably trying to move away from it, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, and that's just how I see self-care. And I, 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 you know, you and I are going to make a distinction here. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, for me, it's like when I set the boundary, I then have to then commit to something that creates healing. And for me, that's compassion. And yeah, I think, oh, it's sure. Yeah, yes. You know, and so even in, in Zen, you know, that's part of this idea of, you know, um, trying to just be with what is and suffering, you know, because in yeah. Zen, the first noble truth states that everything is suffering. We all are. Mm-hmm. Universally, we all suffer. There's not one living being that does not suffer. Doesn't. That's right. That's right. Right. Well, so I would um, then, you know, argue if we bring it back to, you know, the human species, you know, and we... Yeah. Um, you know, we've got these pretty like fancy brains that yeah. are, you know, cool in a lot of ways. But that we don't really, understand. <laughs> yeah, we don't heads. understand, right? Right. We understand a little, but like we don't understand a lot. No. They, they get us into trouble a lot because mm-hmm. when we as humans encounter suffering or pain, yeah. we're like, we got to fix it. We got to problem solve it. You know, yes. like if you watch animal, animals are are very skilled at practicing compassion, which yes. again, is this very like mindful presence, very accepting, bearing witness, you yeah. know? Like I always think of, oh God, it makes me cry when I think about it. You know, like elephants, how they, um, oh, I love they're, that oh, yes. they're a matriarch, matriarchal yeah. society and they, they have funerals for, for, for their dad. They so mourn. Beautiful. Oh my God, my voice yeah. just cracked. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> well, it's moving, right? It's getting you. It's getting you, Pete. You know, so it's like, but they, so they know how to practice compassion. For us, yeah. it's like something painful shows up and what do we want to do? We might, we might go like, it's going to be fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Or, you know, I'm going to go you know, push it away or I'm going to go avoid it or I'm going to, yeah, people are going to drink or overeat or all those things. Yeah, That's why I just want to be really clear about distinguishing. No, it's it's important. And and I'll even bring in uh, um, motivational interviewing, uh, Mm -hmm. Milner and Rolnick, where you talk about the writing reflex. And that's something I think we all have just to your point about we want to fix. So back to Miriam Webster's definition, we're trying, (laughs) it's the desire together to alleviate the distress. Yeah. And and I think the writing reflex is something that we all experience where we're trying to fix, 
you know. And, oh, when you, and you say the right, I actually know, is it writing R-I-G-H-T? I was like, I actually don't know that from MI. Oh, that's a good one. You're going to like it. Borrow it. Yeah. Okay. Well, because the writing reflex is this idea that we want to fix. So if someone comes in with pain, let me find out your behavioral plan to get you to alleviate Yes, right. You know, and so the writing reflex says, watch that because it, often in that time you're pushing someone too fast when they're not ready. Because remember, yes. motivational interviewing is about like this ambivalence for change. Absolutely. Rolling and a lot of people who come into practice, you know, they're committed to change or they have a, some awareness that there's change. I guess we can mm-hmm. get into stages of change. Sure. Uh, you know, so, 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 so many dorky behavioral things to, to, to discuss. Yes. Decommenting, lot, lot. right? Just thinking yeah, about these uh-huh. stages of change and where am I in that? And I think it's, it's looking at not trying to write that. Isn't that good? Yeah. The yeah I love that. Well, and yeah. I think that's such a helpful framework because again, when we see somebody we love suffering, Ugh. We want to take it away, right? Yeah. Like, we want to take it away. I mean, I, yeah. I feel that in my personal life. I, I mean, frankly, I'm sure you've had this experience too. I feel that with patients, right? Oh like I care God. about patients. Like I, like yeah. sometimes I'm like, I want to fix it, right? Yeah. Like I want to fix it. And that that's actually not helpful that we that's need right. someone to just be present in this like really caring way yeah. that's willing to, you know, frankly, like walk with us, right? It's like they can't carry the pain for us, but they can walk with us. They can walk next to us. That's right. Oh, and back to our definition from Merriam-Webster. But let me hear your how-to. So if you talk about like compassion with boundaries and you're Mm -hmm. working with a client who's trying to, who's saying like, hey, Dr. Dr. Rubin, how can I be compassionate this week? What Mm -hmm. are some examples? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say actually with other people, what I ask them to do is, is pretty much what I, what I shared a few minutes ago, which is to say to themselves, like I'm bearing witness to their yeah. pain, like actually say it internally and then say, and this is not happening to me. Like, this is not my story. That's what I, and that's what I myself practice, yeah, especially when I feel the pull to fall into the empathy pool where there's yeah. not boundaries where like, and like I said, like that, that actually doesn't help. Like, how am I going to support somebody yeah. that I love who's suffering if I'm, if right, I'm drowning too? Yeah. Right, like they, yeah. they, like I, they need that me infamous to metaphor present. about the airplane, Dr. Rubin. Oh yeah. My favorite. Yeah. <laughs> it's love it. It's, uh, you know, if you, if you've, uh, traveled by plane before, you know, that, uh, when they're going through the safety, uh, features in the beginning with the oxygen mask, they say you need to put your oxygen mask on first before putting it on a child or somebody else who may need help. And the reason right. is, is that if you focus on the other person first, you're, you're probably going to run out of air, right? right? You got to <laughs> yeah. quickly put it on yourself then you're taken care of and then you can support yeah. someone in need. So one time I was flying and the flight attendant had a really good time. It was like, in the like in the unlikely event that I become your cruise director, there will be <laughs> there will be which is so funny because they're talking it's about so, like the slides that come in. Yeah, it was very funny. funny. And at that time I didn't have any uh you know, any plane phobia or, or anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, ha ha ha. And then like, as I've aged, I'm like, holy cow. Like, I can't imagine how that triggered some people. Oh, for uh, sure. I feel like, not I was a thinking, compassionate exercise. <laughs> right. I was just thinking like, I, I would probably find, feel anxious if I heard that on, on oh, a plane. Oh, he was so actually. great though. I remember yeah. it like very vividly. Yeah. It was like a very yeah. entertaining thing, but yeah. to, to hear that, it was just like, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, so Pete, so how, 
how would you encourage somebody to to begin to practice? Well, I guess I do it more behaviorally. Uh, I, again, I think this is this. I learn a lot from you always. I always have, and I always will, probably until the day but, I'm not practicing. Vice, vice versa here. <laughs> and so I, I, I really, I think I, I help people break it down, especially. So I don't want to. I, I also find that I keep saying the same thing. I work with high performers and executives, which I think is an annoying script. Um, but I think it just has framed a little bit of of, of mm-hmm. how I see these things today or so. So like if I'm working with like a high level coach, like compassion might, he's not going to be like patting an athlete or um, an assistant coach on the back to say, good job. Rather, Mm -hmm. can he bring coffee to the morning meeting or can he acknowledge Mm -hmm. somebody in a certain kind of way? So I do think about compassion because, because that's gratitude too. So like all these terms are kind of linked together for me. Yes. Um, Well, there are many, there, there are there are many sides of the same coin, right? They're, they're interrelated processes. And, and actually, you know, I think to, to uh, distinguish and relate what you and I are saying with one yeah. another, you're describing some more concrete, overt behaviors, yes. right? Yes. And I'm actually talking about, as, co- uh, yeah. as I'll say, many times as covert behaviors, a behavior you're doing you inside are. your yeah. body. So, yeah. so talking to yourself, right, yeah. internally is a covert behavior. Yeah, um, and maybe yeah, that's because... Well, and I think okay. it's because athletes want those overt behaviors, you know, maybe yeah, it, sure. I just sort of justifying why I've, I've seen it that way, um, you know, in, in my practice. But I, I think also the gratitude piece is that thanks, you know, is just, is giving thanks yeah. out of the coin for me in the, in the, in the practice of compassion. And frankly, yeah. I haven't read enough of the CFT literature to know how they're framing it. Well, honest. I mean, I'll, we can maybe save that for another day. See, it should be co- its own focus therapy. Right? Yeah, yeah, it should because they actually also talk about um, evolutionary psychology, which I'm yes. We're big you on. Know, super into as is Pete. Yeah, we love yeah. love that in behavioral science. Um, though I, I will bring in the research around compassion itself, which yeah. is is really cool. Um, the more people practice compassion both for themselves and others, it is correlated with well being, with psychological well being. Yeah. Which makes sense because there's like a softening, right? There's a softening. And it's what's so fascinating to me, and I really want people to hear this, is that it's not about not feeling pain. That's right. right. It's that you can be more psychologically well by practing presence and kindness and understanding for yourself and others. Better in that moment when you just said that. Oh, that's also a little little piece of anecdotal data, right? It certainly was. Like I just, <laughs> yeah. I felt like a little bit of like a lifting and a little, oh. like a lighter breath. Yeah. Well, is and I mean, isn't that interesting, right? It's like that. That's <laughs> it is. It's like, and that's and and that's where people can um, can experiment in their own lives. Like I, you know, I always like to say like. And not again. I always say it's like not to be cheesy, though. I'm I seem to be cheesy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I like like life. Life's an experiment, right? Like you get yeah. to experiment. You get to try things. You know, you can play around and see like, well, what happens? Like if I'm always speaking critically to myself, or I'm always yeah. you know diving into the pool with other people's emotions. Like, what's it like to to set some boundaries? What's it like to speak to myself or others in a kind manner? What's it like to not try to fix somebody else's hurt and just be present for it? Like, you know, it's an experiment. You get to, you get to see what, what your own data shows. Yeah. It's that opposite action, maybe even flexibility, you know, this Mm -hmm. idea of just trying to be open to a new experience, but uh, any last things that you'd add, I mean, that you would want uh, listeners to understand about compassion. I mean, I think that self-compassion just is a big part of it too, right? Like yeah. I said, like I, the thing that I see a lot is more that people are very skilled at being compassionate towards others, though yeah. have a hard time being compassionate towards themselves. You know, like there's a, it, in, in the, um, there's a 
type of compassion meditation referred to as loving kindness, which yes. obviously Pete and I both practice. Meta uh, is the term. You can you guys can look that up. And in that, you know, there's a focus sometimes on, um, you know, first of all, basically sending compassion and care to other beings. And then the last one will be to do it to yourself. And often what I find is when I lead that meditation with people, they, they find that one really hard. And yeah. so, you know, I would just say like, like, look, if it's easier for you to practice self-compassion, start there and then try it with other people. If it's flipped, see if you can generalize, to use behavioral terminology here, that behavior that you use with others and turn it towards yourself and, and see, you know, see what that's like baby steps and just trying to bring others distressed together with the desire to alleviate it. This has been When East Meets West. I'm Dr. Pete Economo. And I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin. Be present, be brave. This has been When East Meets West. All material is based on opinion and educational training of Drs. Pete Economo and Nikki Rubin. Content is for informational and educational purposes only.